hello, I am your host, Karen Doyle, and welcome to episode three of the Genius Podcast. The Genius Podcast is part of a much bigger initiative for Catholic women called the Genius Project. The heart of the Genius Project is dedicated to equipping and supporting women of all ages and stages of life to discover what it is that God has placed within their hearts to do giving them the permission to follow that God whisper and dream and then equipping them with the knowledge and practical skills to make it happen. When I was younger and discovering my vocation and career path, nothing like this existed. Even as I founded and grew my own company alongside my husband, there weren't many Catholic business people in a similar space, let alone women. We kind of figured it out ourselves along the way. Now we own and run a global media business, which is very successful. Over the years, I've often been approached by women seeking advice and mentoring. They want to know how I did what I did and how they could discover what their gifts were. And once they discovered them, how they could use them in a way that brought life and was abundant. They wanted to know how to live their calling. If you are looking to discover what it is that you are called to do with your life, If you have a dream or a passion, but you lack the skills and confidence to take that next step, or you just need some great advice on living your vocation as a Catholic woman, then this podcast is for you. If you like what you hear, why not go on over to The Genius Project, www.geniusproject.co, and take a look at the range of online courses that are available to help and support women like you craft their gift and step into their calling. Today's topic is the genius of womanhood. So to help unpack this in more detail, I have invited the beautiful Madeline Carrington from Fire Up Ministries to join me as we delve into what it means to speak of the genius of womanhood. Well, welcome, Madeline, to the Genius Podcast. It's such a joy to have you as a guest with me this morning, talking about a topic that we are both so passionate about, and that is the feminine genius. I know that it's been such a signature message, I guess, in my life and one that I speak to women about. And I know that you're doing a similar thing with the work that your husband and you do with Fire Up Ministries. And you're doing a lot of courses, aren't you, around the feminine genius and talks to young women about this topic? That's right, Karen. So um, yeah, it's great to be here and um, thank you for having me. And yeah, this is a topic that has um, inspired me for, for many, many years now. And as I find myself on the journey to discovering the feminine genius in my life, I just feel so um, compelled to, to share it with with other women as well and, and be on the journey together. So um, I'm very excited to talk about this with you today. Yeah, so tell me, how did you first connect with this message? So the feminine genius, I first came across it by, by chance, really. When I was about 19, I was introduced to Theology of the Body and the writings of St. John Paul II. It really just spoke to my heart. I was at a place where I just finished high school and I felt a little bit empty and a little bit like unsure of who I was and what I was called to. I'd never heard of the message of theology of the body and chastity and all of these things. So when I came across it, it just spoke truth to my heart. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember thinking, this is what I'm made for. And then through my readings on that, I came across the feminine genius and it just spoke to me even more personally. And it helped me understand that you know, I, I am a gift and I have something to offer to the world through, if I can unlock my feminine genius. And it's just been an ongoing journey since, since then. So that was mm. 
almost 10 years ago now. Yeah, wow. It's so powerful. I know, well, I first came across it about 20 years ago and I, my husband, Jonathan, has many great sayings and one of my favourite is that the church has the best product in the world with the worst marketing department. And I really like it because for me that sums up my experience of encountering John Paul II's writings on the feminine genius because I think I was 13 years of age when he wrote Mulieris Dignitatum, the encyclical on the vocation and the dignity of women and his letter to women. But it wasn't until I was 26 years of age that I came across them for the first time. And I had been through Catholic youth group, raised in a Catholic home. I had run Catholic youth ministry and I had never come across it, not once. And I remember reading his document, Mulieris Dignitatum, for the first time. And it had such a profound impact on me that it really kickstarted this whole season of just discovering and going deeper into what he means to talk about the feminine genius and what that means for my life. But I think it was really powerful for me because we were going through a season of infertility. We got married and a year after we were married, we started trying for a family and it didn't happen. First year went by, second year, and then I think we had a total of six years actually of walking that journey. Reading John Paul II's writings at that particular moment was so profound because I think I had begun to internalize this idea that there was something wrong with me because I couldn't bear children. And what his writings on the feminine genius did for me was to give me, I guess, hope and a framework to see my womanhood is something vocational as something far more deeper and far greater than just my capacity to bear biological children. And my favourite line, and this is a line I'd like to start the podcast with this morning and to invite women who are listening into this journey of discovery themselves. But he says, I invite you, dear sisters, to reflect with me on what it means to speak of the genius of womanhood. And so I guess as we begin this morning, I'd really love to extend that invitation to all the women listening to really invite them as you and I go deeper and talk about this topic, an invitation to invite women into their own heart to reflect on their genius as women and what it is that is uniquely theirs to bring. My first key to helping understand the feminine genius is to first and foremost look at our our dignity as sons and daughters of God, but Obviously, we're focusing on as a daughter of God. And it's to remember that before anything, we are a daughter of God Almighty, of, of, of the King of Kings. Mm. As you were speaking, Karen, and sharing about the desire to, to be a mother, we often, we can apply that to, we can all apply that in some capacity. We have this desire to, to be X, Y, or Z, to be a wife, to be a mother, be a good friend, or whatever it may be. And we can get caught up in those identities. Yes. But really, we've got to come back and realize, you know, before any of that, I am a daughter, I am his, I'm his beloved. And that's where my dignity is found, not in what I do or, or these other identities. Yes, they're important, but they should flow from this deep, you know, core belief that I am loved because yes. I'm his. Yeah. And other people do not define me. His love defines who I am. Yeah. And I think in our culture today especially, we've seen it just, I think, with the, the onslaught of social media and um, the rise in pornography as well, we see this wave of women who don't know their worth, who are constantly questioning their value, constantly questioning their dignity. Yeah. 
and feel that they, they have to not even be someone else, but do something else in order to receive the love that their hearts were made for, you know, and we know, you know, I'm sure Karen, you can relate in some degree, but I know from my experience in my life, when I have searched for that fulfillment, when I have searched for that worth outside of the love of the father, I'm left with a deep, deep emptiness. Absolutely. You know, because my, my heart was made for the infinite and I'm trying to fill it with finite things. Absolutely. You know, so I think understanding the feminine genius is knowing that we are made in the image and likeness of God. And the first letter of St. John chapter 4 verse 8 tells us that God is love. So, you know, to all the ladies who are listening to this podcast, just stop and think about that for a moment. You are made in the image and likeness of love. You are made in the image and likeness of the very thing that your heart desires most. And when we can tap into that, when we can go to our Lord for our worth and our dignity, that's a game changer. Mm. Like, Karen, my life turned around when I realised that God gave me my worth and my affirmation, not not others or not not um, worldly things. You know how to enter into this topic of the feminine yeah. genius. It's first and foremost not what you do or how you do it, but mm. who you are. That is our starting point. I know when I first came across John Paul II's writings, I was newly married. And I think I had fallen into that trap of, I guess, deriving my identity from what I did in terms of my job. I was an oncology palliative care nurse. I was actually really good at what I did. And shortly after we were married, we moved to far north Queensland and I left that job and I was feeling very lost, firstly, because I wasn't in that role. Secondly, I was newly married. And third, I'd moved away from all my friends and family. And I think what God did is he used that season of infertility to really level me and to bring me to ground zero in a sense. I look back on that and it was a real crisis in identity that went for about 12 months. It was really difficult. Apart from coming across John Paul II's writings, I also attended a conference and had a revelation of my identity. And and like you said, I love that word, it's game-changing. And it was for me, it was like, I truly believe that sometimes God has to bring us to ground zero to level us so that he can rebuild us. So you spoke about our value and our dignity of sons and daughters of God being the starting place. And when we're talking about the feminine genius, this idea that we are the beloved being the starting place, can you expand and flesh it out a little bit more for us? Sure. So I'll do my best because the feminine genius is that, <laughs> it's um, comprehensive. Never, yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's so difficult to to comprehend exactly what what it is because um, the the woman is is a mystery in the most beautiful sense of that that phrase. We struggle to even understand ourselves on so many levels. Um, what it means to me is women have a deep capacity for love. And if every single woman discovered her feminine genius, the world would look very, very different, Absolutely, um, I believe. And the phrase, the feminine genius, was coined by St. John Paul II. A lot of people that I come in contact with about this topic, they don't realise that St. John Paul was actually really inspired on his writings about women from the writings of a great saint. And that saint is St. Teresa Benedict 
Benedictor of the Cross, also known as Edith Stein. For those of you who may not know St. Teresa Benedictor of the Cross, she was a Jewish woman and she became an atheist and when she was studying philosophy in her quest for truth. And that quest for truth led her to, as she says, the person of Jesus Christ. And then she became a Carmelite um, sister and she died as a martyr in Auschwitz in World War II. Mm-hmm. But she has this whole, got 12 volumes of writings, but one of them is called Essays on Women. And it's revolutionary stuff. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. And Karen, if I can just share one quote from her that just blows me away. I have spent many a holy hour pondering this, this one sentence, trying to get to the essence of what it means for me in my life. Yeah. And St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, she says, a woman's soul is fashioned to be a shelter in which other souls may unfold. And it's just like... I love that. Pause for a moment. A woman's soul is fashioned to be a shelter in which other souls may unfold. Now, what does this mean practically, Karen? I, <laughs> I've been trying to oh, think about this for a long so time. so beautiful. Yeah, I think really at the heart of this quote is the feminine genius. I think mm. it is about, you know, because you imagine if you are going to allow someone if you're going to be a safe haven for someone to be vulnerable, to unfold their soul, as she says, then you need to be like firm and content in your identity, in the fact that you are loved before you can allow someone else to experience a God's love within you. It's about, you know, this on a practical note, how as women are we being receptive to those around us? You know, how we being receptive to those around us how we're being sensitive to the needs of others you know if someone's going through a difficult time are we are we too caught up in our own problems to be able to pause and enter into their suffering are we generous with our time and our talents and our gifts because i know me i'm i'm a i guess you could still call me a new mum my my little boy is 10 almost 10 months old and I have experienced a roller coaster of emotions and, you know, trying to, you know, one minute feeling immense joy and then the next moment I'm feeling this incredible sense of being overwhelmed yeah. and, you know, you feel you're not going to finish watching. to motherhood. <laughs> oh, one, I've just found myself so often getting caught up in the mundane yeah. acts of life where I, you know, I'll be, I'll be hanging out another load of washing and think, is this all I'm called to? You know, yeah. am I just called to, to hang washing and mop floors for the rest of my life? <laughs> yeah. We know the answer to that is no. No. But absolutely what we're called to so much more as, as women. You know, but I do think there's that temptation, and I, I can only imagine. I know, I know many women who have, you know, many more kids than me, yes. and you know, they're so free, and it's because they've learned not to get caught up with the mundane, you know, or to let that define their womanhood. But they're generous with their time, their talents, their gifts. After. We lived in North Queensland. We went to Melbourne and studied at the John Paul II Institute. And this is where my love for the feminine genius really unfolded. And I know through reading so many of his works, not just those two documents, but all the other addresses and um, things that he gave, because he wrote and spoke very publicly on the role and the dignity of women, probably more than his predecessors had. And when you read his writings across a broad range of 
different addresses and writings, you you see these qualities coming out and they become more obvious. Now you touched on them. You touched on that one of receptivity. And what I wanted to do is maybe just go into each of these qualities in a little bit more detail, that this quality of receptivity that you spoke about, that we really, to have a heart that's receptive to another person, tell us a little bit about more about that quality. Well, I just know from, from my own experience, Karen, I went, went through something in my life a few years ago that really left me with a closed heart, mm. so to speak. I was, um, you know, I mean, we, we're all wounded in some respects and, you know, things happen and sufferings, you know, come and come and go. But in my experience, I, I didn't deal with a particular suffering well. I, as a result, got or felt quite a closed heart. And so for for a few years there, I felt like I was not able to enter into someone else's suffering because I was so, so hurt and so jaded from my own woundedness that I was, that I was going through. And, you know, through grace and through prayer and a wonderful spiritual mother that I was blessed to have coming into my life when I needed her I received a lot of a lot of healing and then you know when I paused and I looked back I was like wow like my incapability of allowing the Lord to heal that wound prevented me from being able to be receptive to another person or to someone else who was suffering and you know during that time I I struggled to maintain friendships I struggled to meet new people there was just a lot of layers there. But then, you know, through the healing it, with Christ and this, you know, going back to what I had learned about taking my need for affirmation to the Lord and allowing him to speak that truth into my heart and not listening to the lies of the world, I experienced this, this freedom again in my heart that allowed me to receive another. I'm not sure if that speaks to any any of of the listeners there but but we are all wounded we are all broken we are all in need of the divine physician but you know he's not going to force his healing upon us we need to to take it to him and you know we're all so i mean i think it's it's just a a trait of original sin is that every woman struggles with inadequacy of you know these questions that haunt us of am i am I really beautiful? Or if someone, would someone really love me if they knew everything about me? Because especially as women, we have this deep ache to be known and to be loved and to, to be understood, you know? And, and I, I just think that we can unite that suffering to the Lord and allow him to heal us, the more room we have in our heart to receive others. Absolutely. Um, but that's a little bit, little bit vague there and we can apply that to so no, many different beautiful. relationships. But, yeah, and then obviously when we're talking about um, another practic- practicality of receptivity, that can be, you know, if for those who may be married or mothers on a spousal level as well, that, that idea of being receptive to receiving the gift of your husband and yeah. in return that receptivity is is given back. Mm. Um, so creating that space as well and then being receptive to new life. And I think where we see this played out the best is at the Annunciation. You know, mm. Mary was so open to receiving God that she literally conceived him inside yes. her. Yes. You know? So it's just 
when I think of receptivity, the, the picture is the enunciation. Yes, absolutely. Me too. I love that. That beautiful um, image actually sits above our fireplace. And for me, it's a constant reminder, am I being receptive <laughs> to my family yes. and am I living yes. this? And I think you're right. Like we look at Mary and, and John Paul II talks about her being the perfect example of womanhood, but specifically this quality of femininity that she shows us in that example of the Annunciation, how to receive and and mm. our response to that. So firstly, like you picked up on, to be receptive to God and to receive the gift of his love for us. And in doing that, then we are able to receive the gift of the other people that we do life with and receive them. I often think about Mary, you know, her yes, her receptivity to the Lord meant salvation for all the world was possible. And I often think, gosh, if our hearts as women were truly receptive, imagine what could be possible in our world today. Imagine the power of, of your yes, what God can do yeah. with your yes. Absolutely. And, and I think some people have a negative view of this word of receptivity, that it's, it's a passive state, that it's just being forced upon us. But really, there's immense power and it's very proactive. So Mary's yes was very much her actively receiving the gifts of life and love. And that's the same receptivity that we're called to. We're not called to be doormats and for people to just walk all over us, but it's an active receiving of others. I love that scripture in Proverbs that says, guard your heart above all things because out of it all the issues of life will flow. And I think our hearts and this quality of receptivity is really the beginning, the starting point for a discussion on the feminine genius. And, and if we're wanting to really live that out in our life, then bringing our hearts before the Lord, like you said, and asking him to heal us, asking him to open us, asking the Holy Spirit to, to reveal those areas of our life which hold us back from truly being receptive to people. I think Absolutely. it's... And if I can just add one more point to that, Karen, too, I think yeah. receptivity can also be... Um, linked on a practical note to being present to Absolutely. those around us yeah. because, you know, we live in a world of noise and distraction and it yeah. can be you know, a temptation. And I've made a point or I'm trying to, um, to like I'm, I'm very, very bad at, at getting back to people on my phone. <laughs> I think there's, there's some beauty to that. It's because there's, there's such a desire to be present to our family, you know, and, and yeah. those that, that we live with. It's just such a, such, I just know from, you know, any new mum would know how many hours you spend breastfeeding in those yeah. first few weeks. Yes. Um, and it's, it's such a temptation to just be on your phone and scroll. But, you know, you've got this precious little life that wants yeah. to gaze into your eyes, you know, and yes. why is, you know, I, I'm like, I refuse to let a screen rob me of that, you know. Absolutely. So being present allows us to receive and being present is the greatest present we can give another, Amen. you know, is to that yeah. we know the power when someone is speaking to us and you feel like the only person in the world for that person. And it ties into that quote from Edith Stein about a woman's soul is fashioned in such a way that others may unfold and discover themselves in her presence. That can only happen yeah. when we're present. Moving on from receptivity, there's this other quality that you touched on of sensitivity. And I think John Paul II talks about this, that a woman, regardless of whether she goes on to bear biological children, 
the mere fact that she carries that capacity in her body fashions and structures and orients her personality in her soul in such a way that sees the human person in their entirety and responds in love. Can you share with us a little bit more about this quality of sensitivity and and how as women, I guess, in our everyday lives, this plays out? Yeah, this is, for me, this is the one that I'm, I've been been pondering the most really at least because you know we, we can throw that word around oh yeah we know what it means to be sensitive mm-hmm. but really what does that what does that look like for me and I think we can get so caught up in the business of life that sometimes we we're not attuned to the needs of others yeah. and I, I often think here about Mary and Martha in, mm-hmm. in the gospels and I often um refer to myself as Martha you know like I need to be more like Mary like I need to be able to just sit and be still and and engage with with those those around me and and see okay where can I be of service here or who who needs or or whatever it may be and there could be something so simple as you know I'm I'm going to just call this friend and and see how she's doing trying to look for ways to to engage in the needs and the emotions of others. Yeah. I know for myself during this COVID shutdown with my own children, I have sometimes just got a cup of tea and just sat at the dining table and with no particular agenda and inevitably each of them will come and just sit and have a chat and then they all might be sitting there chatting and it's really beautiful. But I know that when I'm busy, those moments pass me by and it's about being really intentional about that. When you just are present and you position yourself in the lives of people, then it opens the door for those moments, those tender, sensitive moments where we can listen, we can explore the deeper things in another person's heart rather than the day-to-day function of everyday life. Absolutely. And we're creating that space and that invitation and we're saying, you know, hey, I'm, I'm available, I am present. Um, to you as opposed to you know for in your example Karen instead of one of your kids saying you know hey mom can I talk to you about something you're just putting the invitation out there so Maddie this quality of sensitivity I actually think can be seen as a negative is something that is a weakness or somehow limits women's social equality John Paul II uses this word impoverished he says without the quality of sensitivity that women bring the world is impoverished. And he says that it's needed to humanize culture, which is really strong language. But I think, have you experienced that negativity around this quality of sensitivity? Yeah, I, I have, Karen. And I, I think, um, you know, like Hollywood and um, the movies, they don't, they don't do us a lot of favors in, in showcasing sensitivity as a positive thing. No, not and, at all. Yeah, and like it can be seen, as you said, as a, as a as a weakness or something that that limits women. But really, I think as we've been discussing, sensitivity has the the power to help us live out our feminine genius in a way that can help bring others to life, you know, and to to help others experience and understand their dignity when they may not know it. So this idea of, of sensitivity being attuned to another person's need. I think, again, we see it um, showcased by our Blessed Mother uh, with the visitation when, you know, when the angel Gabriel at the Annunciation tells her that her cousin, who is uh, old 
Luther, okay, Elizabeth, who was barren, is now um, pregnant. She, it says in scriptures that Mary went with haste to go and serve her cousin Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Now, she had just been told she was going to be the, well, she just accepted the invitation to be the mother of God, and yet she was so sensitive to the needs of, of her cousin. And that, I think, sorry if I'm jumping ahead, Karen, but I think that brings us to the, the next point of the feminine genius, which is generosity. Absolutely. Like Mary was just so generous. We just went to, to serve and be with her cousin. You know, we can all find ways to help those in our life in the simple ways, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, just, it, it's something to be, to be praised and pressed into, not, not run from. No, absolutely. And then, like you said, it does, it leads into generosity because that receptivity of heart, sensitivity, give rise to a spirit of generosity. And I often think, you know, imagine what could happen when we say yes to God, when we say yes to other people. I think it's a very powerful quality. And then finally, that quality of maternity, that regardless of whether or not we bear biological children, we're all called to a spiritual motherhood of people. And I think this is a really beautiful quality that I know I have been blessed with and I have been called to bless others with in my life as well. Yeah, and just just as our, our blessed mother is is our mother, you know, we, we know that Jesus gave his mother to us on a cross. That was one of the last things that he, he gave us before he gave us his life. And what a gift, you know, what a gift that no matter what our experience of earthly mother is, like maybe there's some people who, who, have, who haven't been blessed to experience that spiritual motherhood from other people, but, but we can always experience that from our blessed mother. She, that's yeah. what she is. So I think, you know, all of these, these four qualities are the main ones, but they're certainly not limited to these. But I think one thing to highlight is that these are all spiritual qualities and you've got women that fall across this spectrum of, these expressions of femininity. So I think it's important to highlight that when we talk about the feminine genius, we're not talking about a one-size-fits-all version of femininity, that, that each of us are called to, I guess, bring to life and to express our own genius, which leads me to the final part of this podcast is just looking at how, as women, we can discover and give expression to this genius that's placed within us. Yeah. Um, Karen, I, I absolutely love quotes and saints. Can I share one oh, quote please. here that I think sums up all of this? And it's by St. Therese, the little flower. And um, she's got this great quote here on, you know, which to me speaks to discovering our vocation and exactly what you were just saying. I think it embodies it um, so well. But she says, if every tiny flower wanted to be a rose, spring would lose its loveliness. Mm -hmm. And I think as women, we can get so easily caught up in the comparison game and wanting to, you know, to to compare ourselves to others and to um, feel inadequate. But um, I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt who said that comparison is a thief of joy. You know, when we're constantly caught up in comparing ourselves, we lose sight of who we are called to be. And I think, you know, all of the qualities that we discussed and, you know, all the qualities embodied in the feminine genius call us to Mm self-gift. And I think to understand how each individual woman 
can discover her feminine genius and then how to express it in the world is to ask one simple question. How is God calling me to love? You know, because we're all called to love, but how is God calling me to love? But before that, I I should say that before that, we really need to ask the question of, of who am I? Like, Lord, reveal to me who I am. Reveal to me my beauty. Reveal to me my worth. And the more that we discover who we are in Christ, the more that we'll be able to share that with the world, help others to um, discover who they are and who they're called to be. Mm-hmm. And so I think asking, you know, Lord, who am I? And then how are you calling me to love? What gifts and talents have you given me? that are unique because every single person is is a unique, irreplaceable and, and beautiful masterpiece of the divine artist. And Pope Benedict says that every single person is a thought of God. Mm-hmm. So just, just pause for a moment and ponder that. Like you are a thought of God. God loved you into existence and there's never been a person like you in the history of humanity. Mm-hmm. And, and that means, like that should that should give us such conviction and such confidence to be who God is calling us to be, you know, because you have something to offer the world that nobody else can and you have the power um, and the choice to respond to that call. And if you don't respond to the call, the world will be lacking. Amen. Preach it, Maddie. (laughs) I really want to encourage women to take this to prayer, these thoughts, and to just take them before the Lord. Obviously not, well, blessed sacrament ideally, but we're in the middle of this social isolation. But just in private prayer to really go to the Lord and to ask the Holy Spirit for a deep and a transforming revelation of their identity as the beloved daughter. Because I think everything else flows from that point. Absolutely. That foundation. In the world, you know, we have all these calls for women to take their place and for women to rise up and for women to be empowered. And that's really important. John Paul II recognised the need for women. In Evangelium Vitae, he said that women need to occupy a place in life, culture, family, the church that is unique and decisive. But I think the key point is there's no point having women in these positions of leadership if they don't carry this sense of the gospel, if they don't carry a sense of Christ within them, and if they haven't been transformed by the saving message of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and if they're not committed to putting their, their feminine genius and their gifts and talents at the service of others. Yes. You know, as women, we, there's no place in the feminine genius for selfishness. No. You know, it's it's about self-gift, and we will we will be enriched, and um, we will receive so much when we when we make a gift of ourselves. I hope that you enjoyed listening to Madeline unpack this beautiful topic with me. If you would like to know more about Fire Up Ministries, please visit their website at www.fireupministries.com. And if you would like to know more about the feminine genius and go deeper in understanding what this means for your life. 
please check out the books and video resources and discussion guides available at The Genius Project, www.geniusproject.co. You know, 20 years ago when I started studying and speaking on the genius of womanhood, I thought it would be a good idea to check out what the word actually meant. Would you believe that the word genius means to be of someone with exceptional abilities and skills and who is dazzlingly brilliant? How's that? You, my dear, are dazzlingly brilliant, not just in what you do, but in who you are at the deepest level. Each one of us is called to give expression to the unique genius that is within us and to live that genius in the variety of roles that we each have as daughters, friends, entrepreneurs, creatives, businesswomen, ministers, mothers, wives and sisters. This is a topic which is so close to my heart and seriously, it has been a 20-year journey of discovering and growing ever more deeply in what it is to be a Catholic woman created in God's image and likeness. And while it is certainly something that I continue to grow in, I can tell you that my world changed when I got a revelation of what the genius of womanhood was and what it meant for my life, my marriage and my work. I hope and pray that it'll do the same for you. God bless.